Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. And welcome everyone, whether you're listening live or by recording, we're so very honored by your presence. We try to give you every week a little something to think about, a little something to um, challenge you, and a little something to apply to your life to make your week better, and every once in a while maybe your life better. Today we're talking about uh, dying to love. All right, and this is what so many people miss in their life, even though way down deep they know it, but they end up not living it. And it makes such a huge difference in your life if you just go from knowing it way down deep to actually living it in your life. And I'm going to kind of try to tell you what that is and then tell you how to start living it Uh, in the next few minutes. So uh, if that sounds valuable to you, then uh, maybe this 15, 20, 25 minutes um, will be something that you want to take a run at in your life. Uh, Let me start, first of all, with uh, some quotes. Um, The spiritual law today is dying for love. Martin Luther King Jr., If you've not discovered something you are willing to die for, then you are not fit to live. Victor Hugo, I only take a half share in the Civil War. I'm willing to die, but I'm not willing to kill, all right? So uh, he's willing to die for something he really believes in. Paul Watson In the great scheme of things, what matters is not how long you live, but why you live, what you stand for, and what you are willing to die for. Andrew Clavin, if you're not at least willing to die for something, something that really matters, in the end, you die for nothing. Okay, let's talk about this. Dying for love. The other name for the stress response, 
which according to the uh, Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, an arm of the federal government of the United States, 90 plus percent of all illness and disease is related to stress. Dr. Bruce Lipton from Stanford Medical School says, sorry CDC, it's not 90, it's at least 95% of all illness and disease related to stress. And it's more than that, it's not just illness and disease, it's divorce, it's unhappiness, it's uh, failure, it's almost anything that you can name. The other name, there's actually two other names for the stress response. The clinical name is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Say that five times fast. But the more common name, other than the stress response, is the fear response. The only thing that is supposed to activate our stress response, if it's working correctly, and if we're working correctly, is impending death. A situation when we very well could die, physically, okay? End of Alex on Earth, all right? So, the thing that is at the root of almost any problem that you can name is fear when there's not a good reason to be afraid, all right? So, in other words, if I go into the stress response, which today we know happens on average five to 30 times a day, when it's supposed to happen once or twice a year for 15, 20 minutes, and then you're right back out of it, okay? But if I'm going into stress, as so many people are today, over the mail coming, or the stock market going down, or it raining when I wasn't expecting it to rain, or stepping in a uh, pothole full of water, or not getting a parking place close to wherever I'm going, or traffic, or somebody looking at me funny, <laughs> and on and on and on. But if I go into stress over those things, the reality is, according to my autonomic nervous system, I am believing that somebody looking at, funny, at me funny may very well physically kill me in the next 15 minutes. Or that because there's traffic or worse traffic than I expected, or whatever, that I'm believing that the traffic is going to physically kill me in the next 15 minutes. Because I'm only supposed to go into that stress when something, when it could be something that could kill me in the next 15 minutes or so. And so the stress response is to uh, siphon energy away from my internal organs for the most part, away from digestion and, and away from the immune system to my large muscles and animalistic thinking and my heart so it can race so I can fight harder, run faster. Okay, so the, the concept of dying 
is related to fear. All fear is ultimately a fear of death. If I'm functioning correctly, that one or two times a year that it kicks in the way it's supposed to, it, because I could very well die in the next 15 minutes because a big tractor trailer's pulling over on me on interstate, and I need to, before I even have time to think about it, veer my car away so that that doesn't happen. Or someone breaks into my house wanting to do harm to me and my family, all right? That is a correct functioning, and it is that my life is in danger in the next 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. So what I'm saying today is that what we are dying for the most as adults, or we should be, is love. The way we're function the way most people function these days, they're dying based on the stock market and money or they're dying based on the way people smile at them and affirm them or frown at them and don't like them. Or we're dying related to money, not money for our basic needs, no. Money for a certain standard of living with bells and whistles and extra things typically, etc. So ladies and gentlemen, I would assert that we're dying for the wrong things. We should be dying for love, not for money, not for stuff, not even for other people to think well of us, but for love. The Harvard Grant study came out just a very few years ago the largest uh, study ever done in the history of the world on the human condition took, uh, I believe, over 75 years. I believe uh, over $20 million, 10, 20 million. I get, uh, I'm blanking on that a little bit right now, but lots and lots of money. Thousands of participants. Uh, big headline news story when it came out. Wrote a best-selling book about it. The end result was to try to determine what is the most important thing to the human condition and experience. What is the thing that makes the biggest difference? What's it all about? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Any way you want to say that. What is it? And the conclusion of their study is that they found it. It was five words. Happiness equals love, full stop. Full stop meaning end of discussion, period. We don't need to go any further. This is it. Happiness equals love. The great majority of the polls and studies that have been done in the history of polls and studies, going back, let's say, 100 years, have found that what everybody, the, the number one most popular answer to what do you want most is happiness, all right? No, no matter what country you ask, it's happiness. Now, I imagine if they asked that in a place where people were starving to death and didn't have food, they would say food. 
But beyond just basic needs, the far and away most popular answer to that question is happiness. Well, Harvard says happiness comes from love. Period. End of discussion. That's it. Okay. The significance of that is that love is typically not what we're, in quotation marks, dying for in our life. That's money. That's acceptance. That's success. That's notoriety. That's fame. That's um, uh, the new big screen TV. That's fill in the blank. Almost always some external circumstance. Okay? If you're dying for those things, it's going to kill you. If you're dying for love, it's going to heal you. It's going to empower you to success, to happiness, to all those things that you want most and you know you want most. You just haven't connected love as the way that you'll get them. Well, how come we don't connect that? How come the Harvard Grant study was such a revelation rather than work your head off to become a millionaire and then buy your happiness? Well, I think there's several reasons for that. One, that's the way almost everything in the natural world works. Whether you call it the law of attraction, you reap what you sow, Newton's three laws of motion, a body in motion stays in motion, number one, number two, until or unless something acts on it with enough power to change it. And number three, if number two happens, for every action there's an equal opposite reaction. It's natural law. It's the way everything works. So when it comes to my happiness and success, I apply those methods to it, that's my blueprint, that's my overlay, so let me, with my willpower, start working hard and make those things happen that are going to make me happy. The money, the success, the notoriety, the safety, the whatever it is. The problem is, love is not natural law. Love is spiritual law, in my opinion. So you can't earn on the basis of natural law the thing that is spiritual. That comes from spiritual law. And it's very often a paradox, and this one is as well. What's the paradox about it? As an adult... In order to get love, you have to die to get it. You have to die to get it. What's the problem with that? Well, everything in our adult life is to avoid dying. That's what activates the stress response, is fear of death. And I'm thinking the mo not having enough money is going to kill me. Somebody looking at me funny is going to kill me. Traffic's going to kill me. Okay, I'm trying to avoid all that stuff. That's the stuff that 
makes me angry, sad, have anxiety, low self-worth, unforgiveness, all that sort of thing, okay? So I'm trying to avoid all that. I'm trying to avoid dying in every possible way I can. But the law of love is that you have to die to yourself to get it. In contrast, if we're operating by natural law, we keep trying to save ourselves from dying. And when we do that, we lose ourselves. And sometimes forever. Love will make me Love will make me. Love will make you. The best version of Alex is only possible if love is making Alex. If fear is making Alex, and one of the two is going to get you, either love or fear, your brain is proof of that. It's programmed to constantly scan for a love-based signal or a fear-based signal. And if it gets the fear-based signal, it does one thing. If it does the, gets the love-based signal, it does another. And depending on which one of those happens, it really controls everything about your physiology, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions and behaviors, you name it. Okay? So, if I want the worst version of me, that's what comes from fear. That's what comes from defining myself by the traffic or how somebody looks at me or what kind of house I live in or car I drive or being safe all the time. Love requires you to risk all the time. Okay? So which you do you want to be? Because fear will make you one version of you, but only love will make the best version of you. So what do I have to die to if I want love? And everybody does. By the way, you can Google that too. If you ask people what's most important in life, not just what they want, what, if you ask them what they want, they'll tend to say happiness. If you ask people what's most important in life, if they've got a health problem, they may tend to say health. But outside of that, the biggest answer is love, right? I mean, the Beatles had it right all those years ago. All you need is love. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. But, but they're right. We know it. It's what all the movies are about. The poems are about. The songs are about. The stories are about. Okay, we know that inherently. But we're trying to get love by natural law instead of spiritual law, we're trying to get love in a way that actually prevents us from having love. So if I actually want to have a heart full of love, a marriage full of love, a career full of love and the things that love brings, which, which is ultimate success, then I have to die. To me. In what ways? Well, I've, I've written down a few here. 
You have to die to results. The end results. Dan Gilbert called those expectations. And he said expectations are a happiness killer based on his research at Harvard and his best-selling book, Stumbling into Happiness. You have to give up results. And that's often the one, in my experience, that causes the person to say, you know what, I really want love and all that stuff, but I just can't give up the results. The idea of not getting the results that I feel like I have to have is a deal breaker for me. And so they keep living by natural law, getting fear and the stress that comes from fear instead of love. You have to die to results. You have to die to your flesh. Okay? We are in a body, at least for 70, 80, 90 years. And so often that body kind of leads us around. And that's why there's the epidemic to uh, opioids. That's why there's the epidemic to internet pornography. That's why there's the epidemic to things that feel good to my body and another epidemic to stay away from things that feel bad to my body, like maybe hard work and sore muscles and some other things, withdrawing from opioids, withdrawing from alcohol, okay? Those things feel good to my flesh, to my body. I have to die to my flesh. Now, that doesn't mean the practical thing of taking care of yourself. That's a very loving thing to do for yourself, family, everyone, all right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the habits and addictions based on your physical body. You have to die to the flesh. You have to die to pleasure as an end result. In other words, if I choose love instead of fear, I may not get the pleasure I want. I have to die to pain if I choose love instead of fear. I may get more pain. Not, not even have the pain I have go away. I may get even more. You might. Because love requires you dying to pain and pleasure. Love requires that you die to what others think. Now, I don't mean offending people. I'm talking about the opposite, about living your life, being one person externally and another person internally so that people will like you, okay? You have to live your life in love, and if they like you, they like you. If they don't, they don't. But living for, the, for other people liking you or thinking certain things about you is, is fear-based and will lead you to stress, not to love. You have to die to what, to many notions of success. Now, I believe love leads you to your ultimate perfect success for you virtually every time. But it may not at all be 
your notion of success before you start that journey. That may be the great big house, the fancy car, the other people thinking you're the best thing since sliced bread, okay? Um, so you have to die to maybe your fleshly notion of success and lay that down. And what you will get is the success that's just right for you. Uh, we also see this, this in nature, okay? A seed in, uh, a lot of experts will even say that a seed basically goes into the ground and it doesn't just reproduce and a plant grows or two plants grow or whatever and then you get a tree and then you get fruit and whatever. Many experts will describe the process the seed goes through as a death. The seed kind of breaks open, which is kind of the analogy of death. And when it does that, the inside of that seed is what becomes the new plant, but it never would have happened if that seed had not died and broken open, okay? We have to die and break open to love, for love to have its way, even if it's scary, even if I'm not sure where this is going, even if the end results are not what I think I want most, even if the thing I'm most afraid of happens on that path of love, I'm still willing to die to what I want from my flesh and let love direct my path. Um, two other things, and then I'm going to close this up. It's common knowledge in uh, circles like AA and uh, people who deal with a lot of negative habits and addictions that sometimes one of the most powerful positive things that can happen to someone is when they hit bottom. In fact, I've even heard in counseling and therapy sometimes uh, the training, the, the trainers in a certain type of uh, therapy say, okay, if they start crying or something, don't rush over there and hug them or put a hand on their shoulder or try to comfort them. Let them suffer, okay? Sometimes, and they would say, as far as why you do that, uh, over and over and over sometimes we rescue somebody from hitting bottom when hitting bottom is exactly what they need to do. Because sometimes when you hit bottom, then you're open to any solution. You have nothing to lose. Okay? So, I think hitting bottom is, uh, is a group of people who have, in a sense, died, and very often they're able to change things that they never could change before they hit bottom, or if they had not hit bottom. The second group is people who have near-death experiences. And uh, this is kind of fairly common knowledge as well, and you can Google and find this all over the place. Uh, when someone goes through a near-death experience, it very often changes 
what conventional wisdom says cannot be changed. If the person was very angry and mean, very often after a near-death experience, they're very kind. If they were greedy and stingy, very often they will be generous. If they were worried all the time, they might be carefree. But over 90% of the time, the change is a positive one that came from death. All right? So many of these people were literally pronounced dead, and then they came back. All right? But what happened during the period they were, that they were supposedly dead was so transforming to them, was such a powerful memory and feeling and belief that it became their new default for their life from then on. And very often, that does not change until death. So again, we have an example where death is the facilitator for life and in this case, for love. So this week, I would challenge you to pray, to meditate. Am I trying to save my life, or am I willing to die for what I believe is most important, which in this case would be love? Love of yourself, love of other people around you, uh, people closest to you, love related to God, all of the above, okay? Every issue at its root is a relationship issue because every issue boils down to a fear basis or a love basis. There is no love without relationship. And fear is the absence of love. So are you losing your life slowly but surely because you're trying to save your life, because you're trying to get what you want rather than what is most important? Or are you willing to die as Martin Luther King Jr. and several others I read to you at the start of this, are you willing to die for love? I would encourage you to think about it, pray about it. And if you're willing, join me and Johanna and many others all over the world on this journey where, yeah, I, I'm willing to die for love. I'm willing to give up the results. I'm willing to uh, give up the desires of my flesh. I'm willing to give up the pain-pleasure thing, what others think, live in the present moment in love, as best I can, and whatever the results are from that, so be it. Let the chips fall where they may. I will tell you, I've lived both ways, and I will never go back. How about you?